Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul, I think I can help people if I just get my hands a little dirtier. Are you trying to be careful? Huh? Or are you just gonna burn your career and take me down with you? Coin flip. <laughs> Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is PBNB Shrinks, a Ted Lasso 2 shrinking fan cast from NPR Illinois community voices and the front row network i'm your host today craig joined by my illustrious co-host mr jeremy geckner how are you sir what's up guys sorry for the delay but you know stuff happens what, what do you get? <laughs> like, i feel like <laughs> the beginning of every episode we end up apologizing for the delay in the no, posting of episodes but you know life happens uh and we do also have other shows that we get to so but we are committed here to uh get you some more content from shrieking uh because i loved being able to talk about that first episode and be able to establish these characters and sort of start off on this new venture on this new journey this new show that we have it's been uh really fun to be able to do that with you yeah i'm loving uh, all the interactions here and i'm loving Diving into this show again, like uh, after watching it the first time and just seeing so many of the parallels and like how the productions are done, just like on the like the cinematography and the music, especially. It's like it really is kind of like a great little companion show to Ted Lasso. So I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy we're keeping it going. And now we're now that we've established the characters and stuff, we're going to get really into like the meat of like what the philosophy of this show is about, especially here. Yeah, absolutely. So you get to really kind of, uh, as you were mentioning, they're established. We get to like kind of discern some of those relationships as well. We get a best friend to join the party, yeah. right? And Brian in this episode. So I'm excited. Best character to of the show so far. <laughs> now, I, I got to say, I mentioned that we are going to be doing some additional, uh, we're going to be doing some additional things when it came to uh, being able to interact with our audience as well. And so the way that we're going to do that is by coming to you at the beginning of each episode with some of your responses to the last episode. And that's in a segment that we like to call shrink wrap. Hey, that's the shrink wrap. This week on shrink wrap, I, it is kind of a delay since we had the first episode. So I went out to our PB&B Facebook page and posted it out there and tried to get some reactions from you. And I got to tell you, Alyssa, put in such a wonderful um, sort of yeah. at times heartbreaking and also uh, just really insightful 
uh, post about losing a spouse and being a youngish widow person. And uh, she got some responses back on that too. She said some amazing things in there. And I think that it's better for you to just go and read the whole thing. But she just talks about how this show really is able to focus on, especially we're going to talk about it in episode two, but I thought her comment about when Brian and Jimmy are talking about why Jimmy stayed away from Brian for a while. I think it's insightful that she was saying that, yeah, it is difficult at times to be around people that are cheerful when you're grieving so much and so hard. Uh, for someone that you've loved really does get to the crux of the show um and you know as somebody who went through something similar when i was a lot younger than i am now um it is it's a very um it reminds me of a a, a scene in the west wing um i know we're just gonna keep doing this come back to the west wing stuff but it reminds me when um it's an episode where leo's on uh getting questioned in the in the house uh committee and he's explaining what happened like when he got drunk during uh one of bartlett's uh debate preps and he has a line in there where he says like everybody like in what it's like people don't get it it's like get away from me that's what it's like and it's kind of like that's what it reminds me of um when we get to the end of this episode here that you know so many times our interest is to try to cheer people up and to try to like be there for them but sometimes they just don't want anybody near them and you just need that that solitude as we're going to talk about in many forms here so terry thank you so much for writing that or Alyssa, terry uh, Alyssa, thank you so much for writing that in and uh whatever you're going through whatever you have uh you know we hope that we can give you just a little bit of levity in that um but you know everything definitely doesn't go our way though so you know there's that uh, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily do that. But, you know, I think that if you've got the friends to pull you through, it's always a, a good thing to have as well. And a great community over in the PBB Facebook page. So make sure you check that out if you haven't uh, already been part of that uh, moving through all of Lasso. And now as we get into shrinking as well, Betsy also yeah. mentioned that. She was just talking about the loving relationship between Paul and Jimmy, which we get to explore a bit more in this episode. We get some really funny moments out of that relationship. We're going to continue to get some really funny moments. So I'm excited to be able to talk about that as well. But that's all that we have for Shrink Wrap this week. Next week, make sure that you do go ahead and let us know, or next episode, I should say, go ahead and make sure that you uh, give us your responses to episode two as we move forward here and explore more of shrinking. I do want to mention, Jeremy, because this is a Ted Lasso to shrinking podcast, before ah. we dive into the episode, I do have to say that you and I had just a tremendous experience at the beginning of November going uh, to yeah. Thunder Gong, and <laughs> it was incredible it's fun to see uh it's it's really fun to see all of like the videos that were put out by steps of faith and thank you to those of you that helped donate to our steps of faith uh raising money as well we really appreciate that but it was fun to see those videos and be like oh man we were there and you know what's funny is that mm-hmm. so we're hanging out with uh, aj cataline who we had a the chance to be able to meet and to go out and get beers with beforehand and then we just kind of hung out at the whole concert and aj just turned to me like after hannah did shallow and yeah. he just goes you were here to see that live like and we were here it's, live it's funny because we did all of a sudden, it's it's all over uh, everywhere on social media the next day or whatever when um, Steps of Faith uploaded the official video of it. It got picked up just by about everybody. And it was so cool to be there. I have to tell you, it's a wonderful the work that Billy does with Steps of Faith and his whole staff. But it's also really cool just to be in an environment where you just get to kind of like see these folks that you really have come to admire, be able to just kind of let their hair down and have this variety show. So I can't enough tell you that if you are a Ted Lasso fan and it is 
in your budget or you are <laughs> able to get to Kansas City, Missouri around the time of Thunder Gong, you need oh. to get, like you really do. And I think it's something that we're going to be going back to for sure. And hopefully, uh, you know, in contact with Billy, he gave us a great interview and uh, in contact with him to do even more, hopefully next year to help out and support Thunder Gong. We're just this little podcast that could here, but whatever we can do to help give people the ability to have these limbs that they need in everyday life, you know, yeah. whatever we can do to do that, I think is something worth doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 800,000 plus dollars made that night for, for the foundation. And my favorite moment of that night, aside from any of the performances was like, when that number got revealed, I looked straight over at Billy at the drum set and he was overwhelmed by the generosity of everybody there that that night. Um, And it really was just fun. And just a lot of like really weird things. Brendan Hunt shaving his beard right there live on the on the stage Uh, was not expecting to see that that night. Um, The amount of uh, skin of Sam Richardson that I saw that was fun. Um, But there's just uh, so much stuff that like really goes in there. And it's a really fun environment. And I think if I remember right, Billy said they're really trying to get a uh, bigger venue next year. And Lord knows they probably need it because we had people walking up and down asking if there were extra tickets um, while we were waiting in line. So definitely, definitely, definitely let's make this event even bigger and uh, support that Lasso family, everyone. Yes, absolutely. So now what we get to do is we're going to jump over and we're going to uh, talk all things shrinking episode two, the Fortress of Solitude, which we know that reference, don't we? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's familiar to me. It's ringing a bell. All right. Well, let's find out uh, what's on your mind. But how does that make you feel? All right. So I'm taking the recap of this one. So it's been a second, first of all, folks, since I've done a recap. So if I fumble over my words, uh, apologies in advance. <laughs> Jeremy is so good at these recaps and coming nah. up with them. You've got to see his his notes because like his notes for these recaps are so great. They're put into like paragraphs. They're more of like a narrative form. Mine, I should share like a picture of my Google Doc, <laughs> which is just me frantically typing at the screen while I'm watching this and then maybe pausing and then rewinding and then going back and typing more and then, uh, you know, making some things bold. So they stick out like that's my process. Jeremy has a much better process than this. That's all to say you're stuck with me. Fortress of solitude. Yeah. Let's get into it. We, <laughs> we open up with, uh, Jimmy being alone at the court of that corner booth table that he has in his house and he's imagining Tia is in the hallway and the lights are all off and then suddenly the light flicks on and it's not Tia there but it is Alice who's turned on the the lights and basically they talk for a little bit before Alice is getting ready to go to school that Jimmy's going to be bailing out Sean because of the fight that we just experienced at the end of episode one and uh, they remind Jimmy reminds Alice that he's going to be meeting with her guidance counselor later on and then he asked her about maybe doing dinner with him and she says that it is Taco Tuesday which we have a wonderful gift of gab coming up about that. I'm sure later on (laughs) as well, but then Jimmy says, love you to her. And I noticed that it isn't returned from Alice and Mm -hmm. uh, Liz is going to take Alice to school. So this is another one of those, like you see Liz actually pulling up with Alice at school. So really this episode more than anything else, I think starts to paint the fact that Liz is really kind of stepping in to fill that parental role. We got that certainly in the first episode, but this one really puts that storyline on front street, but thoughts about the beginning of this episode. Yeah. I'm, 
we're, we're getting the sense that Jimmy is starting to come out of the unseen, you know, stupor he's been in for a year. He's trying, he's making an effort. Um, you know, he's not kind of numb to everything that's around him anymore. He understands that he needs to be there for Alice. Um, I do really appreciate the way they do the kind of Tia, um, Alice switch there because, you know, it is one of those things is just like you have to think that when it's not and an, it's an absolutely inadvertent thing. But like when he sees her, he sees his wife, his dead wife and stuff. And that is hard. That is a hard thing to wrap your head around. I mean, you hear that from everybody, like when it comes to um, spouses and, and that have died or, or who have left children behind as well. It's just like, man, I look at you and I see her. And that's something that Jimmy's going to have to contend with here. You know, I don't think he he puts it quite that way there. But like this is something that he's going to have to make peace with in terms of how he's going to be able to interact with Alice um, going forward, I think. Um, and yeah, I do love that, you know, aside from Liz, you know, jamming out to the talking heads, which we'll talk about later. Um, it, it is one of those things that Liz, like the way Krista Miller is usually like plays characters in, in anything, there's a certain sense of like, um, I don't even, I don't want to say meanness, but just like the, this edge to most of her characters that she's played. And then this one, like we get that sense of that, but I love how they flesh her out throughout the remainder of this episode too. Nobody is one dimensional in this show. And I absolutely love that. They humanize her so much later on in this episode. It's that, yeah. it's that conversation that she has with Gabby, but we'll get oh, there. Yeah. We'll get there. But I love, uh, gosh, I really come to appreciate what Liz is trying to do here uh, mm. towards the end of this episode, for sure. But now, one of the things that I think this episode does more, uh, does better than maybe even any other episode in the whole season are these conversations and these sidebars that we get to see with Paul and Jimmy. So we get our first one here before the credits roll. And then Jimmy kind of just talks about how he's trying to approach Alice and he's trying to take his recommendations and he's trying to do all of this that Paul's saying that he should to make sure he reconnects with Alice. And he he tried to offer her dinner, but he, she's not going to do dinner because it's Taco Tuesday. And then I love, and I know I'm yeah. stealing maybe potentially a quote here. No, but, we should uh, do it. But it totally, like, Paul is just like, well, of course, it's understandable. You've been trying this approach for nearly 10 minutes. <laughs> and so I love that. He's just like giving it to like, he's one of those mentors that you could tell everything that he says, Jimmy hangs on his every word. And I appreciate that. You, we all need someone like that in our life that can just yeah. really give it to us honestly. And we will just sit there and take it, even if it's something that we don't necessarily want to hear. Um, but he, Paul mentions that you have to wait for people to be ready to be there for you as well. So you, Alice is going through something extremely tragic and she She's been grieving the loss of her mother where you've been grieving the loss of your wife and you have to be there when people are ready for you to be there uh, mm -hmm. because that's what you do for people that you love is what Paul says. And of course, then we get this nice dialogue back and forth. <laughs> but one thing that Jimmy doesn't do, he actually goes out of his way to make sure he doesn't do is he does not tell Paul that he's bailing out Sean. So oh. uh, this is right before, um, he goes to the uh, actual police station and he's at the police station. He's going to, he's actually making up the fact that he's grabbing donuts for Paul. And <laughs> we find out that Sean didn't call his parents to bail him out because he didn't want to tell his parents. And then he asked Jimmy about if he knows any lawyers and Jimmy just happens to have a best friend named Brian who he's yes. been avoiding for the entire yes. year. So we get to finally meet Brian and then we get our opening credits. So that's, uh, that's kind of the Paul and Sean and Jimmy of it all. Any thoughts before we get to those opening credits? 
there's just a, uh, a a real great sense like and you're right like the the relationship we're really seeing now between Paul and Jimmy is just like so I love like the quick paced verbal like uh, jousting that all of these characters do with each other um but especially them and you're right like he wants so much Jimmy wants so much instant gratification from like trying to like actually reach out to to Alice doesn't work like that my man like you're gonna you're gonna have to try way way harder um to get that going there and i love that he calls him out there but yeah call out specifically michael Uri here as brian um have you ever seen a character just make like such a great instant impression on you like i literally love this guy immediately like just everything that he's saying there because again there's like that quick-witted like sarcasm that comes out like when jimmy finally like borts out hello and he's like well that was normal you know and i i just love like the style of conversation that we get here and but you immediately understand that like this is a good person this is a person that wants to be there for his friend just from like the way he speaks and the way he freaks out over that phone call finally happening um and so yeah i just i love that this, this new character and we're gonna love him even more as this uh, episode goes on Absolutely. And then, of course, we get that wonderful opening credit scene. If you want to hear Jeremy's soliloquy about how amazing that opening <laughs> credit scene is, sure go, back, go back to our first uh, first episode for sure. We then come into sort of the wait or what is it like the, the lunchroom kind of area or break room, I guess is yeah, what I'm trying to search like the, for. Yeah, <laughs> break but room, I guess. Gabby and Jimmy are trying their ample best. They first talk, start having a conversation and then Paul walks in, but they're trying so hard to not tell Paul about what happened to Sean and something about non-grippy shoes that caused yeah. a black guy. Uh, and they move the conversation though. They kind of sort of as therapists do drive the conversation from talking about Jimmy's black eye to talking more about Paul and to mm -hmm. finding out about Paul's daughter in particular. And they're like, Hey, we don't even know anything about your daughter. And she, he's like, she lives in Connecticut. And that's literally all. Wow. <laughs> oh, it's like, she's in the room. And of course uh, that is where we get the fortress of solitude quote uh, from Paul, that his family is his fortress of solitude and that he's not going to talk more about it to any of them. And then we see Jimmy going into his sessions. Now he's talking to grace who, as you remember the cause of the fight, she dumped her boyfriend uh, because of, or was it her husband? I can't remember. Is her Donnie husband, her husband? But only her because husband. he's like, awful <laughs> yes yes sorry and so uh she has left donnie at least temporarily because of what jimmy had told her to do and that she's been doing much better she's hanging out with her uh sister jimmy's also hiding the black eye that he got from the soccer match <laughs> from poorly. grace as well he's trying to like move the zoom screen around so she can't see it and then you see him more at uh additional counseling sessions and you see him with his patient who's being mad at the barista because the barista has the gall to interact with him at all and <laughs> ask anything that's a small talk related and so it's funny because then that's a way for jimmy to then lean into his own loneliness and start to start to explore sort of what he feels as far as his loneliness is concerned and how empty his life is. This leads Jimmy to take Dan, the patient to the coffee shop. He tries to engage, uh, engage with the barista. That being Jimmy tries to engage with the barista and Stan, the barista, Dan and Stan. I like it. Um, but Jimmy kind of like encourages Dan to give it a try. And it 
find they find out that the barista and Dan both have a shared hatred of oat milk. Oat and milk. that's something that they're able to bond over. But talk to me about these scenes, Jeremy, from all the way from back in the break room uh, up until you see some of these more interactions where Jimmy's doing what Jimmy has decided he's going to do. And that is to really become part of his patient's lives. Yeah, this is like the interesting push pull between like the ethics of this show and like the morals of the show, so to speak, because like when we watch what Jimmy's doing, it seems like such a natural thing, right? It's just like, you know what? These people need help. Like do it in any way that you can. If this is going to be the most effective way to do it, then, you know, therapeutic, uh, you know, ethics be damned, like, you know, like go and do whatever you need to to do that. But then like, I feel like the show is going to do a pretty good job of balancing these out because even though like, you know, Jimmy is finally helping Sean for it, so to speak as well. And even though he's helped Grace, there's there are potential downsides to that. You know, there are potential downsides to, you know, being the person that pushes them because I think Paul even says in the last episode, it's just like, they need to make the choice to get better. If you're like the one choosing for them, then it's just another person taking control away from them. So I do love that. He's a little more gentle in how, you know, from what he did with grace, although I, I could argue grace needed a little bit more pushing. Um, but like with uh, Dan here, he's, uh, you know, kind of, just giving it was like come on you know like interact here and i do love that like it appears like there's a breakthrough there but when jimmy has to leave it's just kind of like what the hell man you know so maybe dan's not quite there ready for it yet um but yeah with gabby paul and jimmy every interaction that these guys have is gold like absolute gold so just live in them people and enjoy them the chemistry between them is just so great and the fact that you know when we were talking to luke about how they go about filming the show there's absolutely some improvisation going on but that like jason really shows up to work kind of knowing his stuff as yeah. jimmy and i feel like it's just like you get this amazing mix of a person who's so clearly very passionate about this show in jason having been one of the writers and the producers and being able to almost being like our jason sudeikis you know our ted yeah. lasso uh for this particular project so he's got a lot in this a personal investment in this and then you have this like sage actor like harrison ford who can just insert himself so dryly into every conversation and just yeah. make it so like just elevate the level of comedy that comes out of it um but also uh, allow for the level of heart as well to really be something that is uh just huge in all of these scenes and then you've got somebody like jessica williams who is you know hopefully going to win lots of emmys for this role at some point <laughs> and she's just incredible as gabby and you she brings that comedic edge she uh really is unafraid to like explore and go places as an actress that i absolutely love like she puts herself out there and her character is this like awkward therapist <laughs> who tries to really be so cool and so, and then a lot of times she, she succeeds, but there's other times where she completely falls flat and yeah. she like kind of like leans into that in these conversations. And it's just, it's just so amazing, but we do have to get going much like, uh, Jimmy had to get going to see yeah. Alice's guidance counselor. Of course, Liz is already there and they've already started without Jimmy because they weren't sure if Jimmy was going to show up. He hasn't shown up the last several times. So Liz is really filling in and acting as the parent here. And this is the most clear example we have yet of someone outside of the family relationship experiencing that Liz is truly acting as the parent parent for Alice. Um, yeah. Alice has dropped off the debate team. So his, her guidance counselor is a little bit worried about that, but she's doing that because of women's soccer. So Liz says, 
says it's not a big deal. They shouldn't be worried about it. They talk about some of the small liberal arts colleges that Tia and Jimmy had taken her to in the past year prior to Tia's death. And you got to see kind of Jimmy come to life a little bit with that. He nails the names of the colleges that she was interested in, and he feels pretty proud about that. So Liz is sent out. But then, of course, the guidance counselor asks about AP scores and which AP classes she's going to be taking. And immediately they call Liz back in because who knows uh, which AP classes she's going to be taking. And so they're brought back into that as well. And then you get to another like little quick recap uh, scene with the three colleagues, and they all encourage Jimmy to stand up to Liz and basically tell her <laughs> that, hey, uh, he's the parent. He's the mama. He's the mama. I mean, we're, we're stealing all of our quotes here, but yeah, uh, but he's the mama. Um, and then you then cut to a scene that is uh, at the courthouse. I'm thinking, is that the set piece that we're at here where they're trying uh, to deliberate courthouse, this? Courthouse, lawyer's tell. office, something it, like it could that. could just be yeah. a lawyer's office, but they're in some kind of conference room. And Brian is discussing the assault charges with Donnie and saying that he would encourage him to drop those charges because there's about 30 eyewitnesses <laughs> that saw him come after a very well reputable therapist yep. in the community. Um, <laughs> And then you do get to see that uh, they do, in fact, drop the charges. Donnie is not going to press charges up against Sean. And so they all celebrate out in the parking lot. And that's when we start to hear some of Brian's mantra as well, which will become a running theme, not only in this episode, but throughout the entire series. But that's a lot to dig into there, Jeremy. So I'll stop right there for a second. What are your thoughts about, you know, we finally get to see a little bit more of Brian. We see Liz in a way. Some would say Liz is overstepping, much like uh, Paul and Gabby tells Jimmy. I also think you can absolutely argue that Liz is filling a hole that she knew that Alice needed while Jimmy was kind of stepped away. And yeah. so I don't know. Thoughts about that? It's an interesting dynamic, especially with what we learn um, about uh, Tia when it comes to, you know, how her and Gabby talked about Liz as well. Is It's interesting because... You know, Liz is clearly like doing a good thing here, essentially. She's stepping up when there is no parent there and Alice needs a parent. And so she's been that person. Um, and we even get that, too, like when her and Derek are talking later. He's like, ah, oh, the kid we didn't want, you know. And you know, so Liz is clearly like going out of her way to like do this and to, to make it so that, you know, somebody is there for Alice. And so you would think that that is a nice and heroic thing. But it's even more in my mind because... When you hear like, you know, how her and Gabby or how Gabby and Tia, like, you know, are describing her kind of disparagingly as like a quote unquote mom, you know, one could think is just like, OK, well, forget this family. You know, I'm not going to do anything there. But it really speaks to, I think, Liz's character there. Um, and so but there is also, I think, some kind of vested interest. But she's the kind of person that is never going to admit what she really wants. <laughs> you know, I have a feeling like there's always going to be like a little bit of space between like her real feelings and the feelings she lets people see. Um, but, yeah, I just love that. Again, though, Jimmy is is understanding the limitations of his uh, current position so to speak, you know, like, yeah, he's coming out the other end, but he's, it, it's not a light switch. It's, it's a process that you got to get on there. And I like that he's going for it. Um, and yeah, again, Brian is just the bomb. I mean, like the way he does this, the joking nature with which he has Jimmy, like fake headaches and stuff like that. It's a really, really funny scene, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah, Donnie, like your lawyer didn't tell you that like, you can't just go and punch people for no reason. I mean, I know there's a reason, but there's no physical provocation there. So yeah, you're in the wrong here, dude. Like you're not going to win this fight. So again, a really great way of endearing Brian to us. And then also showing though, at the end of that conversation, 
trying to get him like, okay, you know, you're back. Like, right. We're talking again. Like, let's go play pickleball. Let's go and do all this stuff. Um, But Jimmy still is just like not there. And I love the simpleness of Sean just saying like, what did you do? And he just goes, I don't know. <laughs> and it's just one of those things that's going to set him off in a, in an upcoming scene here. But it is just, again, we love this person. We don't understand why Jimmy would not want to have this person around. And I love how they slow walk us to that at the end of the episode. And, you know, I have been kind of fortunate in my own life that like when I need when, well, I mean, like, let's talk about like me going through the divorce last year. Like I'm someone that is uh, extroverted in yeah. all of my life. And so I feel like I reached out to so many people for help and messages and just constant like talking through through things with me during that time and that's what i needed like that's 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 how i processed that grief of a relationship ending um mm-hmm. and you know life kind of changing and everything but i wonder if like for me i think it's easy and i i i say this and i don't mean like, like i'm not empathetic towards people that have a variety of uh, mental health issues. Uh, I, I try to understand so much more than what I put out there uh, and what works for me. But there's sometimes where I think like depression or grief uh, can be really hard to understand for someone that isn't going through that or doesn't yeah. experience grief in that way. I'm I'm so much more public in my grieving, right? Um, And so I don't know that I would ever classify myself of having a time where I was clinically depressed and wanting to retreat from the world. And so like, I'm the Brian in this situation, I guess, you know, like I like, and so what this show is going to do over time is be able to sort of unravel what it is that depression kind of looks like in different people and the understanding that and this is something that Alice is going to kind of understand hopefully better towards the end of the season as well is to say that like, no, your dad really couldn't help mm. that he needed this time away that like he really couldn't, you know, he has so much other things going on that we're going to find out throughout this series with his relationship with his, uh, with his dead wife and everything else that we, you know, it's, it's a, it's an onion, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah this show does a good job of like presenting that from a perspective where like you can understand as an audience member that there's different types of grief and there's different stages of depression and that there's different experiences that we all have, but we all should at least strive for some of that empathy towards those individuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things that, you know, it kind of speaks to like how Alice talks to Paul, you know, in that next, uh, in that next scene there, when it comes to, how you process grief and you know what you want to do and what you need to do. I mean, Alice does in a way she feels isolated too, you know, like, you know, her friends trying to get her to come do this big party thing, but it's, you know, she's just kind of like, I'm not really interested in that. And Paul rightfully calls out. He's just like, yeah, you've gone through something that like most people won't ever have to go through in terms of like so young or so tragically and stuff like that. And it's one of those things, just like your perspective shifts your priorities shift. And so, yeah, these things don't really matter that much to you anymore. Um, And so it is kind of one of those things of like different people have different ways of doing this, but they do need each other, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they just are not ready to kind of admit that yet because both of them 
whether through, you know, circumstance or choice, have had to grieve in their own way. And now they're having to come back together again. But it's a it's a, a harsher process than they're they're thinking it'll be, I think. Absolutely. And you are such a better host than I. You went right into the next the, the next scene. Uh, <laughs> you teed I it love, up right there, man. I love these park bench scenes that we get yeah, with yeah, Alice yeah. and Paul just kind of explaining things and like how Alice is like, I don't like therapy. And he's like, These are these are just conversations your dad can never know about. <laughs> yeah, can never know about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that too. So I think you did a good job of kind of summarizing that particular scene on the park bench, and we're gonna come back to it later. And there's definitely some quotes in there that I want to mention later in the episode too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we go to Jimmy explaining uh, magical thinking to one of his patients. Yeah, this, this is cool. Is the, this is the patient that is uh, basically thinking that if she looks at the clock, she then has to hold her breath until the minute changes or else something bad might happen to her. And this is where Brian barges into the session. He's mad at Jimmy. He says that he's going to uh, pay for the ladies session, um, <laughs> but he's just like, he didn't confirm that uh, that he wanted to go to pickleball with me and like, how do you walk into my life? And then now you're just like using me and then you don't say anything for you. I mean, he just lets him have it and he calls him rude, which I appreciate the uh, great word, word for that circumstance. Really right. great. like I like that because like, you know, he was going off and I mean, like, it's like one of those things. Um so one of my uh, one of my friends in high school, he realized, you know, this was back in the day when uh, everything was uh, everything was this, that or the other thing. And we use some terminology that like today wouldn't be PC either uh, in terms of like growing up, everything was gay. Right. And then yeah. he was like, you know what, when uh, he he said, you know, like people say that all the time because it's just like the nineties, two thousands. That's what people are saying to classify everything. But he was, he started saying things were dumb instead. Like, well, first of all, it's a better explainer because who cares if you're gay or not, you know, but, but also like the fact that like you use a word that you're not expecting to be used in that like way. Yeah. And then yeah. it kind of stops somebody in their tracks. And so you don't expect Brian to use the word rude here, but he absolutely describes what Jimmy is being. And Perfect. I think it lands better because you're not expecting, you're expecting a, a harsher word, I guess. I don't know. Am I making no, any sense here, Jeremy? Yeah. It's, well, it's because like, it's one of those things, like it's a conscious decision to exclude somebody else's feelings, isn't it? Like being rude, you know, like it's a, it's literally your conscious choice to like not care what anybody else is thinking or what anybody else needs. And so by him saying that, like, you're right, he's on this tirade. He's like, it feels like he's ramping up to something, but then he stops and he's just like, you know what? No, you're just rude. Like, you know, you like, I've been trying, I've been reaching out to you for a whole year. Like, you know, we were best friends. We sp like spent all this time together. And then at this moment when, you know, I want to be there for you the most, you won't let me be there for you. And it just, it is just one of those things. It's just like, how could you be that inconsiderate of me now? essentially that is a selfish thought as well, <laughs> which we're going to confront later at the, at the end of the episode. But in his mind, like it, it is one of those things where Jimmy, I think he's prepared for like harsh language, but he's not prepared for like real language. And I think that's where he gets caught off guard here and why it hits so hard. Um, and just real quick, the tumbling over the coat stand is just such a baller move. <laughs> just going back in the room just to throw the coat stand over. Just excellent. No notes, Brian. An incredible tirade. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so fantastic for sure. And so then we move on to Liz tumbling her rocks. We find out about those. And uh, she talks yeah. to Derek about Alice coming over for Taco Tuesday. Uh, and then we get this conversation between Gabby and Liz. And Gabby comes over with this just kind of like bullshit excuse that she is going to uh, be giving them a basketball because basketball. Alice wants to get back into basketball. And she tries to tell Liz to back off of Alice and quit being such a helicopter pseudo parent. And um, she tries to do it in a way that is going over, you know, kind of like trying to to speak around the actual issue with yeah. Liz, but Liz isn't buying it. Like immediately yeah. Liz knows what she's talking about. And then she talks about like Liz talks about this conversation that she overheard with Gabby once where uh, Gabby said that Liz was, quote, such a mom. Mm -hmm. and uh gabby's like well that's not a bad thing and she's like you didn't mean it in a nice way like yeah. and so you start to see that liz has some humanity here that she really does feel like she's trying to do best by alice and best by tia uh in a way too i think that she she's definitely has some of her own empty nester type of things going on with a lot of her kids going away to college but at the same time it made me feel more like I can understand where Liz is coming from and trying to feel justified that she's really parenting or stepping into parent Alice here. Um, we do then see that Paul uh, finally finds out about, she, he found out on the park bench, I should say from Alice about the soccer match and about Sean. So we get the scene where Paul is telling Jimmy that he really screwed up. He says that uh, Alice is the most important person in Jimmy's life and he's going to screw it all up with her. And yep. he makes him promise that he's going to work on that relationship. And then of course, Jimmy tries to hug him and walk and Paul walks away from it. And that is a callback to earlier in the episode where Paul is saying he doesn't want to have this conversation with Jimmy because he's just going to try to hug him or whatever. So I like that yeah. they did a little bit of a callback there yeah it's pretty great um especially the scene with liz and gabby is it gets you a great sense again like i said of liz's selflessness but again the complexity here like when you're hearing this just like you're right there is an empty nester syndrome because we see her tumbling rocks that's what she's doing right it seems like an inherently like aimless type of thing you know like she's just sitting there like this is what she has right um and you know they're not the tumbling rocks is bad or anything but it's just kind of like you know for somebody who's being a de facto parent like you'd think that there's like a lot more things to do there but you know she does have kind of i think a little bit of a hole in her life that she wants to fill because she has this emptiness now um and it is though inherent on them though to understand that Liz is probably stepping up in a way here that is of merit, but I don't get the sense that it's like for lauds or anything like that. I think she really does honestly like care about Alice. You know, they've grown up next to each other probably for a while. Her kids uh, probably grew up with Alice and it's one of those things of like, you know, doing a selfless thing, but then just kind of like getting called out for doing that selfless thing because it's no longer needed. It's like it also not a light switch. It doesn't like work like that, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I like that. And of course, again, just Paul being the mentor there and with a fantastic line that will do for the gift of gab. Um, but yeah, these, these are still continuing to be really, really great scenes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I, I, it's just it's amazing how quickly these characters have started to come together already yeah. and be able to to see how they're all relating. We do starting to come towards the latter part of the episode here. We get an extremely quick scene with Sean and his brother and his family and his family's going to kick him out of the house. They're willing to yep. give him money. 
but they say he's out. And Sean, of course, is not going to accept their their money. Um, at this point, we then see that Alice is going to bail on dinner with Liz because she's decided she is going to try, much like Paul encouraged her yeah. to on the park bench, and that she's going to try to have dinner with her dad. Uh, she Liz says, no big deal. But then when you look at it, Liz has got like this whole setup for Taco Tuesday, including oh. some of the rocks that she has tumbled. And we find out, of course, that Liz really appreciates the people that she gives these rocks to. She really does value yeah. and appreciate. So it's a big deal that they're left on her plate. Uh, Jimmy decides to go to Pickleball and he's leaving as Alice comes home with some chicken sandwiches for dinner. She lies and tells him that it was actually dinner for her and Liz. Uh, and then he says, you know what? I will cancel in a heartbeat. You tell me and I'm I'm done. But uh -huh. she lets him go. Alice brings the chicken sandwiches then to Paul and Alice starts examining his fortress of solitude, <laughs> I said, because he starts she starts looking around and seeing pictures of his daughter and her family. Uh, yep. She tries to get into the photo album, all of that. And then I also love that you see a so sweet. That Paul is drinking from Gabby's water bottle because uh, he has found the water bottle that she left in his office. And that was from a, a little bit of a callback earlier to a scene where uh, that's where Paul and Jimmy are talking and they're talking about the whole Sean situation. And yeah. uh, Paul says, hey, is this your water bottle? And so you get a little bit of a callback there. So even like they're interweaving these storylines so well. They so do good. Almost, dare I say, two episodes. My microphone is falling apart. Uh, oh, no. Dare I say, dare I say doing a better job of subtly weaving in some of these Easter eggs and things than even our good friend Ted did. Oh my God. Blasphemy, blasphemy, stone him. Oh, no. oh no. The similarities are so great. And obviously because look, Brett wrote, you know, Brett Goldstein wrote most, a lot of Ted Lasso and he wrote a lot of uh, shrinking. So it's like one of those things of like, you can see how they like weave these things in. You don't need to draw great attention to them. You know, like it's just, there it's right there in the scene if you want to take the meaning from it that's great and again going back to what paul said earlier in this episode to jimmy you have to be there when they're ready for you to be there and again jimmy i think he would have made the decision there but i don't know maybe maybe alice knows subconsciously that he really does need to like go to pickleball because he says you know i'm going to play pickleball with brian she would clearly know that he hasn't hung out with brian in a year that um you know that's such a big part of his life that he needs to get back so maybe she is being a little selfless there um in terms of like saying like no 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 it's for me and liz i don't th there's probably definitely though like it's probably like 1585 and the 85 is probably you know rejection and like pseudo pissed at like you know oh you know he's going to do something else it's like you kind of have to tell him though and i love that paul doesn't let her off the hook for that either um so again like nothing is like nothing is done without purpose here and everything gets called out when it should get called out um and so yeah i think the again just like really really good writing yeah i i completely agree so let's end up this uh, episode at the pickleball court brian uh asked jimmy they're playing pickleball they're having a good time brian asked jimmy if they're ever actually going to talk for real and then jimmy says not tonight and then poor brian he just leaves the other pair because he just sets down his pickleball <laughs> racket and he just takes his ball and goes home for a other little guys are like i guess we're done playing <laughs> yeah exactly uh and then but they do have a conversation outside of the pickleball court and it's a very important conversation where uh basically jimmy was saying that brian was almost too there for him and that he just yeah. needed to feel miserable he needed to hit rock bottom 
he says this uh, amazing thing about the mantra, everything goes my way that Brian likes to say and how you just don't want to be around the kind of person that uh, is saying that when your wife just died and uh, quite the amazing retort, uh, but from friends uh, after that, but that kind of gets back to what Alyssa was talking about in our shrink wrap segment that this conversation about how like you, sometimes you do just need to be by yourself and to be able to grieve and that having others around you that are like that, having this like kind of optimism going on or saying that everything is going their way is something that is maybe something you can't handle in the moment. Yep. And you just need a second away from that. And in this case, you, you know, Jimmy needed a year. He felt like away from Brian and yeah. he probably needed more than that. And in his own mind, I don't know that he would have contacted Brian had Sean not needed a lawyer. So yeah. uh, here we are, but then we go back to the house and Sean is waiting there. While Alice comes in the door and basically Jimmy explains, this is Sean and he just needs a place to crash for a while. And then that's our end credits for the show. So talk about this last scene. Yeah. Um, all Yes. All of you therapy people out there or therapists or therapist adjacent uh, professions out there. Yes. Put your red alert uh, sirens on because wow, unethical <laughs> you know, to have your patient living with you. But then again, again, he's got nowhere to be. So again, it's like a great, little push pull here against like the the morals and the kind of ethics of it and how those kind of have to overlap sometimes you know like i don't think anybody's gonna you know blast jimmy for you know giving sean a place to stay but it is kind of one of those areas just like eh, but should you should you let him stay there with you in your house um so i don't know it's one of those uh things that uh, other people can go over um but yeah it, it's a great conversation there though with brian and jimmy um especially where you know, I think that Jimmy has a point, you know, like when you have somebody who is, as Brian calls himself, like human Zoloft, uh, you know, you have to weigh that sometimes. And again, like I said, with like Leo McGarry in the West Wing, it's just like, it's like, get away from me. Like, you know, like that's what it's like. And like, sometimes you want, you have to be by yourself. You have to feel that emptiness so that you can remember that there's something else there, you know, like the, so that there is something else on the other side of it, because otherwise it can all blend together. And then the things that do bring you joy might lose that kind of meaning forever. Uh, I mean, so I think again, a very important conversation to have here when it comes to the idea of grieving, but you know, naturally because we're dealing with a comedy or a dramedy, we bring it back um, mm -hmm. to like that. But at the same time, that line is so important for Jimmy to understand that it's like, Brian can be there for you. He can tone it down, but he still can be the one that like pulls you out of that grief a little bit. Kind of like in the opening sequence that you see like that person reaching down to like pull somebody out of a hole. Like that's, I think what Brian can be for him. And I think Jimmy is finally understanding that when he makes that little joke, there. It's just like, it doesn't have to be hundred percent happy or hundred percent sad. It can be somewhere in the middle, you know? And that's, I think an important lesson for Jimmy to learn here. I completely agree with you. I think that uh, it's it. I I can't wait to explore this relationship between Jimmy and Brian even more because I think yeah. it's different. Like we're getting these different layers of relationships, right? So we get to see this uh, relationship between family members, relationship between patients, relationships yeah. between colleagues, and relationships between friends. And so I think that it, we all know that we have different dynamics with the different people in our lives. And this show is doing a good job of sort of weaving those things together. It's almost like Jimmy wants to interact with everyone on the same level 
and he needs to kind of almost learn how to human again a little bit and be able to figure out like how to interact with different people based on where they're at in his life too. So, but a great episode, uh, Fortress great of episode. Solitude, episode number two of Shrinking and really enjoy being able to break that down with you, buddy. But now yep. uh, we've got a couple of other segments to get to before we head out of here. First things first, I think it's time to go to some uh, rocks, some Liz rocks, right? That's right, everyone. Liz rocks. Let's talk about some music. Um, a shorter playlist in this episode, only like six songs, I think. But um, first one, Psycho Killer, Talking Heads, an amazing group from the 80s. You might remember most of their songs. Uh, their bigger songs like uh, Once in a Lifetime or Burning Down the House. So, but this is a great little like just 80s jam here um that's really great yes uh baby one more time britney spears is technically on the soundtrack for this because boom, it's boom, boom. ring time uh ringtone uh eh, okay fine you want to get that one in there so do you think that that was a special ringtone for i was thinking about this is that a special ringtone for jimmy or is that's that a good question is that Brian's go-to ringtone? I can't remember because it's been a minute since I've watched the series in full. So I don't even remember like if that that's answered later on or not. Yeah, well, we're going to watch for it now. <laughs> so that's pretty good. But uh, look, if you want to objectively talk about that, it's a pretty good song, actually, when it comes to like, you know, pop queens of the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, but then some uh, just like more broad, like kind of like really indie California based rock stuff. So these are the days by Inhaler. Really good. Like, nice kind of harder rock, like something of the killers variety. Um, you got Stroj uh oh god, this is a hard one to say. Stro Stjogren, <laughs> uh with 17, a really great little bop there. And this is the second time now in two episodes that we've gotten Vampire Weekend on the soundtrack. This time with This Life. That was the song that they were playing during pickleball. Again, a really great little like California jam tune. Like you would imagine like driving down the coast, like with like listening to this song. Um, and then we end on the Do You Wanna Talk by the Circa Waves, a really, really great um kind of closing thought for this episode because again, it's all about like kind of the song is all about kind of like figuring out the dynamics between two people and figuring out, you know, like, should, you know, like, you know, is this the right time to say this? Is this the right time to do this? It's a really good little encapsulation there. So again, Krista Miller, wonderful job picking the songs for this episode. And we're going to get some really fun ones in the next one. I'm really excited about that, but let's get to the gift of gab. Holy shit, I don't want to know that. Actually, I do. What? Oh my God, I'm sorry. When I get nervous, I start just saying just stupid shit. And that's what's happening right now. Yes. For those of you following along with us since our Tedisms days, yes, this is uh, where we go back and relive some of our favorite quotes. And this, I'll tell you, this show, much like Lasso, it's like every line of dialogue you could, yeah, it could be. <laughs> you could basically throw out here. But uh, I'll go to you first since I host this episode. What is your first gift of gab? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, since he's calling out my boy Gary Oldman here, I mean, I got to try to do my best Gary Oldman impression here. I cannot condemn you to live in the bowels of hell for all eternity. I love you too much. <laughs> the, I love that. Thing, guys, Gary Oldman was great in that movie. That movie is a little problematic in terms of quality, but like Bram Stoker's Dracula, Francis Ford Coppola, pretty, pretty good. Watch it only just to see Keanu Reeves' British accent because it's pretty insane. <laughs> I love that this reminded me so much of like how much of a dork Jason Siegel is too. Yes. And like so much of his interactions, but like uh, when he wrote forgetting Sarah Marshall, he had yes. that whole like Dracula. Dracula uh, yeah. The Dracula <laughs> musical at the end of it. And then like some of the references that he just made, like even um, 
improving as Marshall in How I Met Your Mother. Like this guy yeah. is a certified dork, and I love yeah, nerd. About that. nerd yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and the next one for me was when they're talking about Taco Tuesday, and uh, Jimmy says, "Ah, yes, my favorite vaguely racist weekly food holiday." <laughs> <laughs> just sure. no I, notes I, no notes there no for notes. sure yeah uh i'd go to the uh when they're in the break room the first time and like paul was talking about how like you know like i'm not antisocial i just you know like to keep to myself when i'm at home and jimmy goes like i'd argue that's the definition of antisocial so that should be a shirt you also forgot that when Jimmy's trying to get out of telling Paul about Sean and yeah. he's saying he's going to pick him up donuts, but he can't pick up donuts now because uh, there's too much police action around it or whatever. And yeah. Paul just goes, oh, shit, now I want a donut. Now I want a donut. <laughs> I don't think we all, everyone, anytime you think about it. And then, of course, as he calls his like home, the Fortress of Solitude, Jimmy says, Fortress of Solitude should be the name of your memoir. <laughs> it's just I love awful. that. I love uh, there's so this it's such a little one and it's so quick, but they're trying to show that Jimmy's running late to the guidance counselor and he's running into the school and he just screams honk at someone. Oh, <laughs> it reminded me so much of whistle, honestly. Yes, <laughs> it has to be. It has to be the same vein as that because, it, yeah, he's just literally yelling honk at somebody. Honk. <laughs> whistle, whistle. <laughs> yeah. The one that I wrote down is kind of like a normal one, but like with Liz and Gabby are having their argument and she's at Liz is rightfully calling out Gabby saying like, you're the godmother. Like, where were you in all of this? And she said something about like, I had my own stuff. And Liz literally in the best way is just like, oh, right. Cause none of us has stuff. <laughs> you know? So yeah. Once again, just kind of everybody's usually in the same boat and just different degrees. Uh, I thought that Paul dropped a bunch of knowledge on the park bench, but one that uh, particularly hit me was the conversation he has with Alice and she's explaining about like her friend Summer wanting to go and drink under the bridge and all that. And Paul says, they're immature. They're teenagers. They haven't been through what you've been through. And then Alice responds, well, then they're lucky. And then uh, Paul says, for now. And that's a that's interesting insight, because basically what he's trying to convey to her is that everyone is going to go through these moments in life. And the fact that you have gone through this tragic event so young, you're now going to be resilient or more resilient than some of your immature teenage friends that don't understand what you're going through right now. Uh, And so I thought that like uh, you could say that it's like a pessimistic tone, but to me, like it's more of like a him conveying that she can use this to be able to build up some of that resilience that we're all going to have the challenges of life. So you need to be able to work through those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really, really great line there. Um, I'll go straight comedy here because when Paul does finally confront Jimmy about Sean, he says, why would you lie to me? And Jason Siegel, perfect delivery, just like the truth was just so bad. (laughs) Yeah. And then identify so much. Uh, you can, you, there's probably more quotes than this, but the last ones that I have is, uh, where Jimmy is just talking to Brian and he says, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but it's not fun to be around someone that says everything goes my way when their wife just died. And without hesitation, Brian delivers back. I never said everything goes your way. Your way. Like, I mean, Jimmy out of the stupor. Cause it's a ridiculous thing to say. That is, that is only something like that line right there conveys to you the fact that these two truly are best friends because yes, yes. there is no way that 
there is no way that line works or is received the way it's received by 99.98% of the people <laughs> that could say it, you know, and um, Jimmy immediately, like you said, it, it brings him out of his slump a little bit, makes him laugh. And they of course say that they love each other. So yeah. what a great episode, man. I yeah, really, really awesome. Gosh. Like being able to go back and watch this show again. I think I said, it's, this is the fourth time through for me. Um, it, it's been a trip so far in these first two episodes. And I'm so excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, ditto. This again, like just the depth that we get to with these characters right off the bat in these first two episodes. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this like extrapolates out and stuff and like the complexity we really get into with these relationships. Now, we've really kind of established that there's like three dimensional characters. Now let's see how we can flesh out their interactions with each other. Absolutely. So it's been a great time getting to chat with you. If you are brand new to shrinking and PBB shrinks, then make sure you go back and listen to all of our episodes of shrinking, which there's been only a couple, but you could definitely listen to all of our episodes of Ted Lasso as well back on the feed. Follow along with us on social. Make sure you go to PBB FRN on X or Twitter, whatever you might want uh -huh. to call it. And then also you can go to the peanut butter and biscuits Facebook page. That's where we do a lot of interactions and there's a lot of fun that goes on in that group. So definitely go and check that out. And that's how you can really contribute to the show as well. If you don't social and you still want to contribute to the show, make sure you go out to frontrowlasso at gmail.com and send us an email. And then you can also, of course, give us a rating on Apple and we will read that review uh, on the air in the next episode as well. So go ahead and check that out for us as well. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, Jeremy? Not really. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you're nice, guys, we'll do a little special mini episode on Hannah's Christmas Christmas special. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I will tell little you. Mini one. Was... We don't need to break that one down every time. That could be like 10 minutes of like, which song did you like? <laughs> but... that, could be a, that could be a really nice uh, Christmas uh, Christmas treat for the audience, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you, I loved, absolutely loved being able to watch that, but I made the mistake of watching it while we still had our screeners for it, and yeah. I literally could talk to no one about it, and yeah. I was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, uh, <laughs> But, you know, so anyway, that it was great giving a chance to talk to shrinking with you, buddy. But we will back, be back soon with our next episode. Until then, for PB and B shrinks, I am Craig. I'm Jeremy, and we still really have still no don't have a catchphrase. How to end this show? <laughs> we just said uh, that's what we got. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's it. That's it, guys. We'll, Checks we'll, out. Yeah. <laughs>